Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you find out more by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, Brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is NaplesIllustrated.com. We have great guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, will be joining us. We'll uh, visit with Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and we'll visit with Rick Graber. He is the president of the Bradley Foundation. He wrote an op-ed for the Washington Times uh, about the COVID-19 and how Americans are recovering and uh, staying healthy in the process. Uh, I look forward to visit with Rick as well. It is June the 2nd, and on this day in 1954, Senator Joseph McCarthy charged the communists have infiltrated the Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, in the atomic weapons industry. Although McCarthy's accusations created a momentary controversy, they were quickly dismissed as mere sensationalism from a man whose career was rapidly slipping away. McCarthy first made a name for himself in 1950 when he charged that over 200 known communists were in the Department of State. During the next few years, he alleged that communists were in nearly every branch of the U.S. government. His reckless accusations helped create what became known as the uh, Red Scare, a time when Americans feared that communists were infiltrating all aspects of American government and life. Despite the fact that McCarthy, McCarthy never managed to unearth a single communist, his ability to whip up public hysteria and smear opponents as communist sympathizers, sympathizers made him front-page news for several years. By 1954, however, his power was slipping. He, earlier charges had been leveled at the uh, Democrat administration of President Harry S. Truman, and Republicans had embraced McCarthy as a useful weapon. But when Republican Dwight D. Eisenhower stepped into presidency in 1953, uh, McCarthy's wild accusations became a nuisance and a source of embarrassment to the Republican Party. Sensing that his base of power was eroding in 1954, he embarked on a spectacularly unsuccessful effort to recapture public support by opening investigations into alleged communist infiltration of the U.S. Army. By early 1954, the McCarthy-Erie hearings had been going on for nearly a month. This was the first opportunity for American public to get a first-hand view of McCarthy as the hearings were televised. His bullying style and hysterical behavior quickly turned off the audience. In a desperate attempt to regain momentum, McCarthy charged the communists had also infiltrated the CIA and atomic weapons industry. No one took the charges seriously, and Secretary of State John Foster Dulles, his brother CIA Director Alan Dulles, and President Eisenhower brusquely dismissed McCarthy's accusations as reckless and without basis. Just a few weeks later, McCarthy was thoroughly disgraced when the lawyer for the U.S. Army, Joseph Welsh, gave him a devastatingly effective tongue-lashing, which ended with Welsh asking the senator whether he had any sense of decency at all. Sir, have you no decency? Do you have no decency at all? I'll never forget those words. The McCarthy hearings collapsed soon after, and the U.S. Senate uh, voted to censure McCarthy. He died still holding office, senator from Wisconsin in 1957. Kind of reminds you of Adam Schiff, doesn't it? In any event, I remember this so well because uh, my dad was uh, doing 
uh, work for uh, Voice of America, and uh, he called me to the television. I could really, the sense of fear that he had was palpable as he was concerned that this might all splash on him. Uh, Of course, many uh, authors, Hollywood people and uh, writers, uh, novelists were attacked. They had to write by pseudonyms as a result of McCarthy's work in the Senate. Some dark years uh, for uh, the Senate and for the United States government. Well, a homeless, this is a kind of inspiring story that I found. I want to share it with you because it's great to see, uh, against all odds, folks uh, succeeding. A homeless Jacksonville teenager will graduate as valedictorian of his high school and attend college. Martin Folsom of A. Philip Randolph Career Academies has spent part of his youth living in shelters with his mother, but he managed to find time to serve as class president in addition to staying on top of his studies. It's been a rocky road, a lot of hardships, Folsom said in a video message posted by the Duval County Public School website. But seeing myself now about to graduate, about to go to college, it feels good knowing all the stuff I've done was worth it, he said. In the video, Folsom thanked everyone who helped him and his mother survive, expressing how much he owes to them. Take advantage of any opportunity you can because you never know what's going to lead, where it's going to lead you or to what you can end up with uh, to get out of it. He's now planning on attending Valdosta State University in uh, Georgia. Congratulations to this young man. It's just terrific. Great story, indeed. Homeless young man becoming valedictorian of his class, at first in his class and president of his class. Great story. Well, let's just do a little review of COVID-19 here in Cuyahoga County. Oh, it's increased to 1,580 cases. Death toll remains at 49. A total of 217 folks have been hospitalized. Of course, many of them released. The number that just surprises me is uh, you know, 768 Hispanics folks have uh, uh, had COVID-19 or tested for COVID-19. In Immokalee, 611 of all these cases uh, are in Immokalee. 17,669 tests have been completed. Now, that's up to 5% of the population here in Cuyahoga County, with, again, 1,580 cases uh, discovered in Cuyahoga County. Or more looting was observed in several cities across the country yesterday, despite curfews and an enhanced National Guard presence as riots stretched into the second week following the death of a man in Minneapolis in police custody, and we all know that story. Looters were seen breaking into downtown businesses in Manhattan, and people in Philadelphia were openly defying a 6 p.m. curfew by loitering outside police headquarters. Numerous cities have imposed curfews to stem the violence, which has included shootings, looting, burning of cars and buildings, as well as other vandalism following the death of George Floyd on Memorial Day. Of course, you know he was arrested for uh, uh, trying to use a counterfeit $20 bill at a grocery store. Uh, Floyd uh, died, of course, because of the de- neck on his, uh, the knee on his neck from Derek Chauvin, who's now in a high-security prison. He's been in charge with third-degree murder. I think it probably should be first-degree, but irrespective, his wife has filed for divorce, and he's on suicide watch. Not a good week for Derek Chauvin. By the way, these two guys, Floyd and Chauvin, worked together as bouncers at a nightclub. So interesting. Don't know about that backstory. President Trump on Monday said he was bringing in the military to defend the nation's capital, where he was, has criticized Mary, Mayor Muriel Bowser for not doing enough to keep the peace amid the daily protests. Police fired flashbang grenades and rubber bullets into the crowd of protesters outside Lafayette Square near the White House shortly before Trump spoke. 
Governors in 23 states have activated 67,000 National Guard troops in support uh, state and local law enforcement, while six states and 13 cities have declared states of emergency, that according to the Wall Street Journal. Attorney General William Barr has ordered the Federal Bureau of Prisons to dispatch riot squads to Washington and Miami in an effort to help quell the violence. This is just to show you how how <laughs> sick these people are. Chief of Richmond, Virginia, Police Department told reporters Sunday that Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters set fire to a multi-family home with children inside and then blocking access for firefighters to get through to save the children. They were saved, fortunately. Uh, he spoke with, uh, he broke down while he was speaking about this, while speaking about the horrible burning deaths of children after they occupied building was torched by rioters. They were able to save the children. But what, what a sad, desperate thing it is to see here like something like that happening. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, I, this is all orchestrated, in my opinion. Uh, there's certain evidence, and I think the, the uh, Department of Justice is well on top of this, Barr is on top of this. These people are paid mercenaries. Uh, they are, uh, I mentioned yesterday about the story from the independent uh, socialist group that is uh, revving up and uh, supporting this effort. Uh, at least they're using their pamphlets and their material in order to, to fan the flames of uh, indignation for these young people that are committing these atrocities. But uh, they're definitely being paid to do this, and it's well orchestrated across the country. President Trump on Monday laid the blame on governors for the unrest spreading across the nation, strongly urging the state leaders to crack down on protests and telling them that most of you are weak, according to the audio of a call with the governors, lots of leaks on this one, and law enforcement officials obtained by Insider. Uh, Trump, who has been tweeted in favor of law enforcement taking forceful measures against protesters, told governors on the call that they have to dominate. If you don't dominate, you're wasting your time. They're going to run over you. They're going to look, you're going to look like a bunch of jerks. You have to dominate, said the president. Doesn't mince words, does he? He did not uh, publicly address the nation during the weekend of civil unrest. Well, he did actually after the uh, after the SpaceX launch. He made comments about about this, very pointed comments, and I think it was one of the best speeches he's ever given. Anyhow, he was it, his tweets are blaming anarchists and Antifa, including a declaration that he would designate Antifa, which is not a hierarchical organization, a domestic terrorist group. Well, I'll tell you what is hierarchical, and that is the uh, this effort to uh, burn s cities and to destroy property. Uh, they are definitely, uh, you call them what they will, Antifa, whatever they are, uh, they're going to have to be brought to justice. It's a very sad thing. Trump used the call with the White House uh, at the White House, which the White House would uh, be about keeping America communities safe to berate governors for not using more aggressive measures to crack down on protests and to urge them to put people in jail. So this is clearly, this is not about the protesters. Peaceful protesters have a right to protest. They should protest because of what happened to uh, this man. Uh, but what they're doing, uh, these, uh, these Antifa folks, 
they should be put in jail because what they're doing is dest- they're trying to destroy America. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees. The goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And now in a capital campaign, a million dollars donated by the Smith family this past week. A big step forward for the project, of course, in these difficult times. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Rick Graber. He is the president of the Bradley Foundation. Right now we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Well, how much a week has passed, and we were talking about COVID-19 and uh, unemployment checks. The focus has changed, hasn't it? It, it certainly has, and it's, it's 
troubling, too, how uh, we have uh, all these riots and people are so close to one another and they're in an agitated state, so they're shouting and screaming. And when you think about what, if any one person in one of those large crowds has COVID, that's it. Yeah. It's terrible. It's re- I feel terrible for the, the people who are just not thinking. Well, I, you know, I think the, uh, the protests are certainly valid, seeing the knee on the neck of that uh, man. Oh, no question. It's just awful. So there's, uh, you, we should protest against uh, police violence and uh, the, what happened on, in that case. But the other side of it is these, uh, pro- these uh, violent, I'm going to call them Antifa-like uh, uh, villains is what they are. They're out there destroying property, marauders. Uh, you know, the, they sh- they should be, uh, I think the president is right in, in dressing down governors. They should take care of this. They should uh, use force against force. Well, you know, it's interesting, um, too, that there's, there's sort of a, 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 like a almost a personality to, to those kind of um, rioting or, or a riot, you know, um, protests that are, are not calm. So sometimes they start out that way, and then something happens. So I think what we could do as government, or what we should do, and it's interesting, I got an email from somebody earlier this morning I was looking at, saying, why don't you organize the protest as government? Be part of it. Mm-hmm. Be part of it and, 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 and set parameters. What are we going to talk about? How are we going to make um, these issues be heard in a, in a reasonable way? What can we do? Um, moving forward, what can we promise in terms of that this will not happen again kind of thing, and do that in a responsible way as opposed to um, the, the the writing that goes on mainly yeah. at night. And, yeah. and, you know, I saw those pictures of, of Soho, and it was horrible. Yeah. Well, these, uh, I think there's two groups of people, those that are out to protest peacefully about what happened, uh, and then there's a group that I believe are paid. They're, they have uh, community organizers types that are uh, orchestrating this entire thing. They've uh, fanned the flames of indignation about uh, capitalism and so forth. And uh, then they provide them with bricks. They've got the marching orders. They have uh, <laughs> it, this is all orchestrated and paid for. That's that's my personal belief, and it needs to be confronted for what it is. You know, it's such a tragedy that that. That we were even having this discussion that yeah. that there that there would be people paying people to um, riot yeah and and hurt our you know so when you think about when they're destroying businesses and burning you know burning buildings and burning cars the the economic toll is terrible and the psychological toll is terrible that that kind of lawlessness and and it also demeans the spirit of the people that feel very strongly that uh, about the oppression or the um, prejudice because it just feeds into that right and it's and it and it, it destroys whatever good could come of peaceful protests so if you think about this these people come into town if they're not even from the city in which they're protesting or where they're uh, they're creating all this violence uh, for the most part they're ruining neighborhoods they'll be blighted areas in Minneapolis for example it'll be there for years they've yeah. destroyed a community and which businesses are they destroying well certainly uh, uh, some of the Minority businesses businesses they're small yeah. small life savings up in smoke because of these people it's just right. absolutely terrible uh, I think I remember the uh, uh, you know when I was I guess I might have been in college or where the riots in New- Newark, New Jersey, which were 
you know, they made national news back then before we had social uh, uh, social um, media. Yeah. And the city of Newark, it, it almost burned down. Almost all of it. And it took, I, I think they're still recovering. Absolutely. Um, I, rec- I recall going into Newark, New Jersey once we, we had a little time before taking a flight out of there. And I stopped to uh, ask <laughs> somebody in the corner. I said, uh, can you tell us where the best part of town is? Because we like to go to a restaurant. He says, you're in it. <laughs> okay. They do. I, actually, as an aside, there are some really great restaurants in Newark. Uh, I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, and um, there's some Italian restaurants that you just couldn't beat. The, really? The, just phenomenal. Of course, that was a long time ago. I haven't been back to New Jersey in, you know, 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, uh, you know, back to uh, your role in our community, uh, any new developments in terms of uh, what you're hearing and seeing in terms of uh, the state government? Well, you know, so far, uh, the governor, because we're in a state of emergency, the governor basically is the state right now. Uh-huh. You know, the legislature is not in session, so uh, there's there's people are individually um, thinking about it. I am sure that when we get back after the election uh, and we start having committee we- meetings, that this will be a topic of discussion, um, the issue of uh, the p- police brutality and and the like, and we and we have to have a very calm and rational discussion about what we do, uh, and, and if anything, uh, moving forward. Right. Um, but I think we have to raise social consciousness of of that with without throwing you know the, the proverbial baby with the bathwater. Absolutely. Um, well, I personally uh, in Collier County, I think Sheriff Rambosk is doing a terrific job. I think law, right. we maintain law and order, and I think there's a lot of police presence and, and sheriff's officers' presence in terms of building relationships in the community. So I, for one, think we have kind of a model place to live right here. Well, I've been saying that for years, and, and I and I um, um, the, uh, the African American community uh, is a vibrant, uh, vital part of of our uh, city of the city of Naples and Collier County. And uh, I don't see a lot of the angst, but we don't have big cities right. where uh, people are packed in. Um, our biggest, you know, issues right now when you're dealing with our minority communities is immokalee and COVID and right. the, and the spike there. And how do we? How do we handle that, and how do we make sure to keep those people safe? I mean, that's what my focus has been the last couple of weeks. It kind of got derailed a little bit by the by the rioting issue, but uh, you know what I want to make sure is that we do all we can for the people of Immokalee because they're seeing a little spike in COVID there. Yeah, that's so true, and uh, <clears throat> I noticed that about half of the uh, cases are Hispanic. I suspect it's probably because a lot of those folks are working in the fields. They're packed into buses to go to the fields, and uh, so they're, they're in proximity. They have to go to work. They can't really uh, quarantine right. themselves. And so, you know, you have really uh, uh, a real opportunity for bad things to happen. Well, and we're doing, we're, we're going to do a lot more testing. Uh, the state is providing more test kits to the Department of Health. Um, and, you know, we, we have to uh, find places for uh, individuals to self-isolate. Yeah. There aren't as many, but there are some hotels in Immokalee talking about that. Because, you know, like any like anyone in their in their community, they don't want to leave their community and drive an hour to shelter somewhere. That's exactly so, right. So, um, you know, those are the kind of things that we have to uh, consider. And, and that's what my focus is right now. Yeah. 
Interestingly, it's, it's uh, I'm sure, appreciated and needed. So, again, Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator, I'm so appreciative of the time that you give us each week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo up there in Madison, Wisconsin. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Uh, you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Boo Mortensen in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, it's nice to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, and I have to say that, you know, we just left Naples, and being in Madison, especially with all these riots, I feel like I'm on a different planet. Yeah. It is so terrible. Um, you know, we're a smaller city. I mean, this is not like Chicago, which is catastrophic in Chicago and these big cities, but in Madison, if it's, it can happen here, it can happen anywhere, and... You cannot believe the rioting and the looting that is going on every single night right below our building. I mean, uh, we're in the thick of it. 
our building is locked up like a drum all day and night. Wow. You know, and you don't read anything about Madison. So you have looters and rioters there? Every night. Wow. Yes. Uh-huh. And we have a curfew. That's a joke. Uh, you know, the curfew is nothing. And they demonstrate during the day, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You, everybody is entitled to demonstrate and to yell and to shake your fist and get your point across. That's our constitutional right. I'm right. okay with that. Right. But then at night, with this looting and rock throwing and destroying property, what's that proving? Yeah. I'm disgusted with it. Uh, I think, it, and I, I guess I'm repeating myself at the, at the expense, perhaps, of our listeners here, but I, I truly believe this is all orchestrated. I believe that uh, this is, you have community organizers, uh, vis-a-vis, remember Barack Obama, community organizer. Well, I think you have people like him who are paid, and then they uh, they fan the flames of indignation and anger by telling people that we need to overthrow capitalism and, you know, get rid of this government and it's all bad, and we need to in- install socialism so everybody has a f- the equal amount and all that. So you can imagine, so they're fanning these flames, and then they get them all involved there on the front line, and uh, it's happening all across the nation. I mean, I saw, I actually saw instructions telling them where to read a conoiter after this, uh, the rules of engagement, how to do that. They actually have all these pamphlets telling people what to do. Well, I certainly believe it. You know, on um, two nights ago on Sunday night, that's when a lot of this started, or Saturday night, I have to say, yeah. Saturday. It started, and you could hear the yelling. You could see all the cops. So I took my cell phone, of course, went right down into the thick of it. And it's, you know, it's not demonstrating. It's looting. It's it's the destruction of property. Um, During the day, it was demonstrating, and then it evolves at night into this. And the cops were in total riot gear. They were very, very restrained. I think that they were told to do nothing to inflame the uh, atmosphere of, um, of violence. Then the next night, this was about 11 o'clock at night, I heard all the screaming right below us, and I'll bet you there were um, probably 30 riot police in full riot gear. Then behind them, there were another 30 um, Air National Guard in riot gear, mm-hmm. then there were police cars, and then there was another layer of riot police. They were coming out, and they were, and then they and they let loose on the crowd. They were spraying them with um, tear gas. It was amazing. I took caught it all on on film. Wow. And but these kids, you know, you look at them. These are not black kids that are down there. These are white guys yep. that are are. Uh, calling for violence, and I'll give you an example. The Goodman Brothers here in Madison, nobody has given more back to the poor and disadvantaged community than the Goodman Brothers. They have spent millions building rec centers for poor kids and pools, and they've done nothing but give back. The store, Their store on State Street looted. Yeah. Well, you know, they, now what does that prove? Well, well see, the, these people, if, if I'm correct in my hypothesis, my, my, I believe they don't care about the community. They want to tear down the community. That they see that as the problem. They they want to get rid of uh, capitalism. That's what they. That's what their ultimate goal is. So, again, I believe if the, if you, I hope that uh, Bill Barr, 
our attorney general will follow the money, you know, perhaps get some of these people behind bars, say, okay, now who's paying you? Who's, who's, uh, will be lenient on you if you'll tell us what's going on, that kind of stuff, you know, and hopefully it'll follow, go all the way up to whoever's perpetrating this, who I believe is George Soros. Yeah, you know, you're not the first person that said that. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Other people think that, too. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how it filters down from him to the punks and thugs on on all of these streets. And, you know, what? this has nothing to do with the guy that was killed. I mean, right. they caught the guy. They're going to charge him with murder. They'll probably charge all those cops. What is this about? Yeah. Is it about taking the government down? Is that... Is it this pent-up hostility because of the virus, and they feel that more uh, minorities died of the virus, and now they want to even the scar? I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I think there's a website, if you take a look at independentsocialistgroup.org, independentsocialistgroup.org, you'll find in there, there was a pamphlet that they actually found uh, from this group uh, during the protest, or during the, uh, the violence, the looting, they also found uh, a copy, again, as I mentioned, rules of engagement, how to go hand-to-hand -hand with people, don't uh, do anything until you're ordered to do it, <laughs> you know, delivering bricks, all kinds of things. This is, now, if you just take a look, at, just do a search on George Soros and take a look at the organizations that he's associated with and what they're working to accomplish, it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, it's, there's perfect alignment there. You know, and he's a capitalist. He's made all of us money due to capitalism. Well, that's right. Well, he was a very successful hedge uh, hedge fund manager in his time. Of course, he's not doing that right now. What he's doing is, in my view, trying to destroy, well, I, I think he's trying to destroy America. Well, this I, I, I hope that, I hope you're wrong. Um, and I hope that all of this ends. I don't... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was listening to a Chicago radio station, and I mean, it is terrible. And you know, it's they're looting. They're they're looting these big stores on Michigan Avenue. Then people are driving in with U-Hauls. Yeah, and looting the stuff back into the U-Hauls. That's not what. That's just outright. If you want to see something pretty, it's actually in a moment of humor in all this, which is, it's not funny, but the, a guy had stolen an ATM, and he wanted to get it on a bus, he, it was too heavy for me. <laughs> just just Google uh, uh, protest or stealing ATM or something like that, you'll see the video, it's pretty funny, it's about a minute and a half long, but <laughs> he can't lift the ATM, and he's got to take a bus to Get out of town. Anyhow, boo. Oh, my. Well, you notice that we're not talking about the coronavirus. That's right. Things have changed, haven't they? They're not doing the social distancing right now, although they are wearing masks. That's kind of <laughs> kind of interesting. Boo, I always oh, appreciate... Uh, they are wearing masks, but I think they don't want to be identified. That's exactly right. Boo, it's always great to get your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I do want to underscore uh, St. Matthew's House and how important they are to our community, supporting the homeless and those that are need don't have food. Uh, they do a great job. And, of course, the need is greater than ever right now. Uh, you can also vi- you can visit their businesses. They're open now. And they've got six different businesses, including thr- thrift shops. And, of course, Lulabee's Diner just do a great job of supporting uh, St. Matthew's House as well, Lulabee's Diner and Green Tree Shopping Center. Have breakfast or lunch there. Uh, coming up, I'm going to be visiting with Rick, Rick Graber, the president of the Bradley Foundation. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and publisher and president of uh, Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. How are you? I'm well, Seton. I hope you are. Yes, thank you. Uh, so uh, tell us about Less Government. We exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and <laughs> it's not going well. Yeah, it's not going well indeed. So, uh, Seton, you wrote a great column, Trump's Big Tech Order, the first step towards less big government cronyism. Maybe you can tell us about it. You know, I have a, you know, once again, I write these things, and I forget, like, I have things I should have put in them, and one of them is... We, our government is so huge now that we sometimes have to swallow a little more government here to get a whole lot less government somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not even the case in what I wrote about. Um, Trump is addressing, he he addressed two things in his executive order uh, regarding the big tech companies, Twitter, Facebook, Google. Um, The media is trying to make it out into a war against Twitter, because Twitter is only worth $25 billion. Um, But that's not what it is. It's, It's it's antitrust. Uh, he wants to take a new look at big tech companies through the prism of antitrust, in addition to Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. The latter um, basically immunizes uh, social media platforms. 
from libel and slander and intellectual property uh, theft charges um, based on third-party content, meaning the company didn't put it up, uh, you know, Facebook didn't post it, I did. Yeah. Um, and if I post an entire movie on Facebook or YouTube, which is owned by Google, Google is not responsible, Facebook's not responsible for the intellectual property violation that that represents. I put it up there, they didn't. Right. Um, yes, that makes sense, except they're supposed to be platforms. They're not supposed to monitor content with a few exceptions, which are, you know, obscenities and uh, violence. Right. Uh, you know, you don't want Al-Qaeda beheading videos, although YouTube leaves those up and pulls down uh, Dennis Prager. Right. Um, <laughs> but, and that's the problem, is... There's a good faith clause in Section 230. They're supposed to act in good faith yep. on what they pull down and what they don't. The big tech companies do not. Uh, one of my favorite examples is um, a group called uh, Live Action, which is a pro-life group. It's run by a woman named Lila Rose. It's a great group. Believe me when I tell you there is nothing obscene or, you know, on anything they post. Well, Instagram, I think it was Instagram, Class, which is owned by Facebook, classified live action as a pornography group yes. to then justify pulling them off their platform. Wow. So they're not acting in good faith. They haven't been acting in good faith for more than a decade. So all, all, what I'm saying is they should lose Section 230 protections. Uh, on a parallel track, they should also be looked at from an antitrust perspective because if there are a dozen search engines and Google gets 91.54% of the searches, that's about as close to a monopoly as you're going to get. Yeah. So, you know, and, and Seton, the, the other problem, too, is... And the by the way, there, it's, not just, it's not just a business thing that they control 91.54% of the searches. They shape their searches the way they want. When I, when I search for my articles... The results, like, I, I search on three different search engines, uh, Bing, DuckDuckGo, and, and I wrote about this a couple weeks ago, and Google. Yeah. I, I get almost uniform results on Bing and DuckDuckGo. The results on, on Google are completely different. For instance, I write on Red State. They never put, I, I, I search for the name of my article, which was posted on Red State, and it's not on the top it's on the first page of yeah, Google's yeah, results because yeah. they they buried red state. Yeah, and, and and the problem, you know, right now, fact checking the president, they're being pretty brazen at this point. That you have this issue about uh, misusing Section two hundred and thirty as a platform and and uh, not being a publisher. Well, they are a publisher because they slant, they they uh, Candace Owens, for goodness sake, uh, somehow prohibiting her participation in. in uh, right. It, it's right. just just obscene. It's it's they're taking political positions. But the other piece on this is privacy. We're losing our privacy, and that needs to be addressed. As well, well, we're losing our privacy. For, uh, there, there's, we're voluntarily putting this information on these platforms, right? So there's that. But what what we didn't, you know, what they figured out that we didn't, the big tech companies figured out that we didn't right off the bat was the coin of the realm online is data, right? And the more they know about us, the better they can, the more money they can make off of us. And we didn't. We didn't. Really, we were just feeding them all this information about us for free. Um, now, in the in the in the in the tangible world, you can't use t 
Tiger Woods' face without Tiger Woods' permission, or it's a violation. Right. That's not the same uh, on, you know, because we, we click these 40-page, uh, you know, we click accept to these 40-page disclaimers of we're going to abuse the crap out of your data and you're giving it to us and you guys no say on it. Uh, it's not my idea, but I like it. Someone said, and, and Andrew Yang amplified it, the, guy, the Democrat guy who wasn't totally insane on some of his ideas. One of the things he said that I liked was we, we should have an online persona and they should pay us. Yeah. Depending upon how much traffic we generate. You know, can you imagine if Instagram had to pay Kim Kardashian? That's an interesting concept. <laughs> it's turn, it turns I mean, how much money does she generate for Instagram? Yeah, it's true. That is so and, true. And they don't compensate her at all. Yeah. So interesting. So that's a, that, that's a you know, the, the privacy thing. I definitely need to, we definitely need to rein in the data abuse for sure. Certainly when it comes to them sharing it with the government without our permission. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but we've been voluntarily, you know, throwing, our, throwing up our lives on, on these platforms, so you, they can't be blamed for, you know, taking it and running yeah, with you it. You know, you're right. They're not committing a crime by doing that. But the other piece of just doing full circle, Hill, and coming back to the point that you're making, you're absolutely right. They are abusing Section 230, and they're asking, they're asking for, for Trump's uh, response to this because they are using it for political purposes. If you take a look at the group that they've assembled to censure uh, and to make these decisions, it's, it's unbelievable. It's a, it's a, it's the Soviet Politburo, <laughs> uh, and 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 the and the few allegedly right of center people are these libertarians who 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 are zealots and say oh, it's their company they can censor if they want to. Yeah, and so even the people that are allegedly on our side on the Politburo aren't on our side. Yeah. It is a shame. Again, uh, Seat Miley, the founder and president of Less Government. This is this is a great column, and I hope you'll take a look at it. It's Trump's big tech order, the first step towards less big government cronyism. You'll find it on Red State. Uh, is is it on your website, uh, Seaton? Yes, it is. I just put it up prior to your phone call. <laughs> okay, it's uh, go to lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org is the website. Seaton, always appreciate your well-informed commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Rick Graber. He is the president of the Bradley Foundation, a terrific organization. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. 
imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Rick Graber. He is the president of the Bradley Foundation. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. It's great to be with you again. Thank you, Rick. So tell us about the Bradley Foundation and the good work that you do. Well, the Bradley Foundation is, is really a story of the American dream. It was uh, our, our founders were two brothers, Lyndon and Harry Bradley, who grew up uh, in Milwaukee uh, with very little. And through a lot of hard work and stops and starts and successes and failures, built a really incredible company in Milwaukee called the Allen Bradley Company, which uh, ultimately sold in the mid-1980s, creating uh, the resources that are now the Bradley Foundation. And at the Bradley Foundation, it's really our mission to uh, spend what is their money the way they would have wanted it spent. Mm. Uh, They believe deeply in free markets uh, that encourage entrepreneurship and innovation. They believed in our constitutional order, separation of powers, checks and balances, individual liberties. Uh, They believed in the importance of an informed citizenry, strong education systems, K-12 and higher education, and they believed in a really strong and vibrant civil society, limited government, uh, all of that. Those are the kinds of organizations that the Bradley Foundation seeks to fund both in Wisconsin and all over the country. All over the country as well. That was the question I was going to ask you. So it is it is probably focused somewhat in, in Wisconsin and Milwaukee, but you're doing things all over the country that address some of the parts of your mission that uh, that they can help. Right. In, uh, a, in a typical year, about 30% of our, our grants uh, stay in Wisconsin, and about 70% go all over the country. And uh, the website is Bradley F. Uh, maybe you gave us the website. I don't want to misquote it. 
uh, www.bradleyfdn.org. Bradleyfdn.org is the website. So you wrote a, a column, which I thought was just terrific, and I wanted to discuss it with you. It's, Yes, America is Exceptional in the Face of COVID-19 Crisis. Maybe you could tell us about it. I think lost in a lot of the, the rhetoric of uh, and, and the, the politics of the day with uh, trillions and trillions of government dollars being thrown around, which is important. Government has a role, certainly, in the, the COVID crisis, certainly in the, the events of the last week, which uh, have made for some pretty trying times in this country. Yeah. But we really shouldn't lose sight of the, the things that make this country unique and, yes, exceptional. Uh, and, and I alluded to them in the, the, the focuses of the Bradley Foundation, our, our system of uh, checks and balances and federalism. Uh, we're seeing this play out across the country with how different states are dealing with the, the COVID-19 crisis. And, and when government officials go too far, we're seeing it uh, with our separation of powers, with checks and balances, with the courts uh, saying, no, nope, that's, that's just not appropriate. Uh, we see it in free markets. Uh, you know, we, we've got a race for a vaccine. That's great. Yeah. That, that's the, the entrepreneurial, innovative spirit of America. And at the end of the day, it's not going to be government that finds that vaccine or solves these problems. It's going to be the American people. Uh, and a strong civil society. And again, with the, the events of the last week, this is the point is brought home even more. Yep. Uh, this is a generous society, giving of time and resources, its neighborhoods, its churches, its private voluntary organizations. They're going to make a massive difference as we get through these times. Uh, there's no question about it. One of the, uh, as an aside, this isn't in your column, but I really appreciate the president's approach because it is constitutional. He certainly acknowledges and tips his hat to the governors. Hey, it is your role to to uh, deal with uh, COVID nineteen as well as these riots. Uh, but he's also a strong law and order guy, and he's saying, "Hey, you need to do your job. You need to be strong." So, uh, you know, I think we're getting good leadership from the top. Well, I do, too, uh, and, and he's taken criticism for it, but there, there simply is no one-size-fits-all uh, mm -hmm. solution to this. What happens in Wisconsin or uh, South Dakota is much different than what's going on in New York City or San Francisco, and it requires uh, a, a different approach. Here in the state of Wisconsin, we have three, 400 people in the hospital um, out of a state of almost 6 million people. That's different than what is going on in other places. So, yeah, that's, that, this is precisely what the founders had in mind yeah. uh, when they so brilliantly conceived our, our system of federalism. Yeah, and, you know, your, your column actually acknowledges de Tocqueville, and you point out that how the American exceptionalism, how the character of American people is different, it's unique around the world. It really is. Uh, I had the opportunity to live and work in Europe for uh, six years, and it really brought it home to me. There, there, it is totally unique in the world for people to be as giving, as I said, with both time and resources as it is in this country. It's part of our DNA, and it simply is not in, in other parts of the world. And that's what Tocqueville saw. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, again, is what will bring us through these difficult times. Government's not going to solve all these problems. It's our neighbors. It's working together. It's it's those organizations that uh, they are the unsung heroes that are dealing with the day to day problems that 
face our communities all over the country. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but I watched the space launch, and it made me so proud. I was <laughs> yeah, during these very difficult times with all the uh, looting that's going on. Uh, the other side of this is to see, uh, to your point, a private company uh, take over uh, SpaceX to uh, deliver this very successful experience of uh, launching a rocket into space with two astronauts, having them hook up with the uh, International Space Station. It was truly inspiring, and it, it, to, to underscore your point, it's all through private enterprise and, and working with NASA. Absolutely, and, and those are the moments uh, that, that we ought to celebrate. Instead of tearing down this country, instead of uh, looking for what's bad and evil in this country, look at what's great. Look at what's exceptional. Let's give thanks for the freedoms we have that we, we too often take for granted. And the space launch was just a wonderful example of uh, American ingenuity coming together, and, and it was a great event, yeah. yet it got lost. Yeah, it did get uh, lost. Regrettably, in, in all of the events that have sadly taken place. Yeah, and the president delivered, he made an address to the country after the launch. It certainly was about uh, acknowledging the success of NASA and SpaceX and what had happened, and everybody that contributed to that effort. But he also made comments about uh, the uh, uh, man that was uh, had his knee on his uh, a, a cop's knee on his neck, and he had died in Paris. He was, you know, murdered Terrific. in my estimation. Well, but he also addressed the whole need for us to to have a s certainly civil uh, protest. Makes a lot of sense, and people are uh, outraged by what happened. But this looting and rioting, it just makes absolutely no sense, and it's the antithesis of what we're talking about here in your column. It's, it's horrible, and right now, what's going on in our cities has to stop. Uh, and that's where government must play a role. Yeah. Government must step in and bring order to the streets of our cities. Uh, and then we can allow everything else to start uh, the wheels headed in the right direction. That's when our strong civil society can take over. That's when innovation and entrepreneurship can uh, take over. That's where free markets are, are so valuable. Um, but government's got to do its job now. So society can begin to heal the, the terrible wounds of the last week. And you put that on top of a pandemic. These are trying times for this country. We're being tested. We're being but tested. I have no doubt that America is going to come out of this on the right side. Absolutely. And it, it all goes back to the, the American character and the American exceptionalism. Again, yes, it does. Rick Graber, the president of the Bradley Foundation, I encourage you to visit the website. Uh, consider making a contribution for the great work they're doing. It's Bradley F. Bradleyfdn.org. Uh, .org. Bradleyfdn.org. Rick, just a genuine... We, we do have an affiliated donor-advised fund called the Bradley Impact Fund. To your point, if people are interested, uh, I urge you to, to check that out, too. There's a link to it on our website. All right. Rick, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I really appreciate your commentary. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. Great being with you. Thank you very much. Uh, great column. And uh, by the way, this column appeared in the Washington Times. If you want to read, uh, yes, America is exceptional in the face of COVID-19 crisis. How quickly those the news changes from COVID-19 over to uh, the riots and the looting that's going on in the United States of America. It's just, just a tragic thing. Really appreciate uh, you turning into the show. Uh, again, uh, you may be listening live, or you might uh, later be listening on the podcast, but thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll patronize those that are advertising on the show. Always appreciate And, and by the way, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends about it. 
anyone that you think might enjoy it, uh, again, at Bob Harden at hot, uh, excuse me, bobharden.com and send me an email. Would love to hear from you. Uh, send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Well, uh, I hope you'll tune in tomorrow. We're going to visit with Bob Levy, constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Andrew Joppa. Andrew writes great commentary. Uh, he's a professor at uh, Mercy College. He's also the author of Josephus of Oz. And we'll visit with Larry Bell. Larry Bell is an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's the author of seven books, his latest, Cyber Warfare, Targeting America, Our Infrastructure, and Our Future. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com. <laughs>